Hello and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse Billington, and we're back for, well, ahead of the 2024 Formula One season with some exciting news. This is the second sort of emergency podcast we've had to do, certainly through the start of the year and before we've actually got into things. Um, so we're back, we're back a little bit early, and we're back with an Ellie Mae, but we shan't hang around with pleasantries. We're going to have to dive right into it because this is some fantastic news and some big news to that measure. Lewis Hamilton has now signed a contract to join Ferrari in 2025. Initial thoughts? I think initially it was a shock because, well, for me, it kind of came up. Well, it was weird because we were literally, you messaged me, it had to have been like 10 minutes beforehand. And you were like, if you heard the rumours about Hamilton, I said, no, what's like what's going on and he's like oh it's moving to ferrari and then like we were literally sort of like contemplating whether it would be true or not and i got the notification from sky like lewis hamilton moves to ferrari in 2025 and i think in that moment i was shocked and couldn't really think and then i think actually once that sort of initial shock left me i was kind of actually sort of to me, actually, it made sense. I don't know whether it makes sense to you. I think I'm still processing it to a certain extent, but from what I've been able to piece together, the news broke overnight early morning in Italy, sort of coming out of the Ferrari camp nets somewhat at first. And it was um, Craig Slater, the F1 reporter for Sky Sports, that picked it up initially and sort of put it out there. So that was why Sky got the really early drop on it, by sort of going we've got word Lewis is officially moving to a Ferrari and everyone goes, nah, let's wait until we hear something from Ferrari or Mercedes or Lewis. And then sort of the whole day, I just think every F1 fan around the UK has done no work and just sat watching Twitter, just continually refreshing, refreshing, refreshing. All the news outlets, apart from Sky, were going with Lewis Hamilton reportedly or set to be signing with. It was all up in the air until about two o'clock when it started to get more and more sort of concrete. Mercedes held a massive all-personnel meeting over at their factory in Brackley, and word hasn't really come out of what was said in that meeting, but then at seven o'clock on the dot, a statement was released from Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton saying, the end of 2024, he'll be terminating his contract. Thank you for your services. Enjoy Ferrari. And it became official. And yeah, it's been sort of almost a sort of 12-hour process trying to get this one sort of across the line. But it's reportedly been something that's been sort of in the air for quite some time as well. There's a lot of interesting things that have led up to this. And it's it's very interesting indeed. Um, I think one of the things that has possibly led up to this, certainly from Lewis's side, is the fact that a lot of key people at Mercedes have left. Some have been poached to Ferrari. And there's a question as to whether or not this has been a big driver. Um, James Allison is now back at Mercedes, but Lewis didn't work well with the Mike Elliott designs that we had in the interim. And the shift in team structure and operation that's sort of occurred in that time hasn't suited him either. As well as that, Loic Serra was the head of vehicle performance at Mercedes and a very integral member of the team. And he has been poached by Ferrari and he and Hamilton were aligned with their concerns about the 2022 spec car at the Mercedes headquarters. So there's an interesting draw for Hamilton to move. And this has been something that's been in the air for quite a while. I think a lot of teams are constantly trying to poach Hamilton. He is a fantastic sort of God tier driver. So it's no surprise. And there's obviously something in the water at Ferrari that's just irresistible. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I don't fully know 
what therefore who he had close relationships with and sort of the certain personnel that has moved but to make this sort of the right time for him to go to Ferrari and I think as I sort of said initially whilst it's on surface level perhaps comes as a shock I think once the sort of immediate emotional response calms down you realize actually it's not such a shock move he's always said how he's wanted to go to Ferrari before he retires for quite a while now and he's what just turned 39 years old which it's not old but for an athlete you know your time in a sport is finite and he's drawing closer to the end of his career than he is at the start of it and you know Mercedes haven't been at the top of their game for a couple of years now obviously the last win coming um his Hamilton's last race win coming in 2021 and I think perhaps if Mercedes or if he thinks Mercedes haven't got that championship winning car, he's got nothing to lose by going to Ferrari. That's the thing. Ultimately, he is Lewis Hamilton. His career will go out on a high, whatever he does. It's going to be the same as when we sort of said goodbye to Sebastian Vettel. So influential and sort of highly regarded were they as figures that even with Seb leaving from a slightly sort of rough Aston Martin, it was still sort of heart-wrenching and we still knew Seb as Seb, the guy that sort of was dominant for four years on the trot. He was Red Bull's golden boy and sort of proved that a slightly sort of left field energy drink manufacturer could come into a sport and dominate and dominate well. So yeah, I think he his pathway that Vettel trod has proven to Lewis that go for that gamble, make the interesting choice, you are who you are and you will go on a high regardless. So I think that's opened the door for Lewis in that regard. And equally, he's got Mark Heinz uh, back as his right-hand man, who's going to be an interesting sort of supportive role going through this transition. He was the guy that was with Lewis when he won his first world championship back with McLaren in 2008. So there's a lot that makes sense here. And early rumours also suggest that potentially this isn't going to upset the apple cart at Ferrari as much as we're anticipating. Word is that Charles Leclerc knew that Lewis would be coming over or at least being offered a very sort of lucrative contract before Charles signed this contract extension. So there's a lot to be said there for how seriously Ferrari are taking this and what Ferrari's long-term plan is. I'd like to know what Charles is thinking, whether he is indeed bothered by it or not. I mean, you've got to think when he joined Ferrari, he was next to Sebastian Vettel, you know, that's not a small name to go up against and it didn't phase him. And he's always been the one that's favoured sort of at Ferrari, despite, you know, Vettel and then signs. So perhaps he's just not, perhaps he still thinks that he will still have that team around him. Ferrari will still see him as sort of their golden boy. And he's not phased by it. Maybe he, you know, usually I think in a sort of sporting person's mind, they perhaps usually welcome that challenge to go up against someone that big. You know, it's almost a bit like Rosberg and Schumacher when they're at Mercedes. Rosberg was actually be able to, it was able to prove that he was, he could go up against the likes of Schumacher. He wasn't phased by it. And I think that's, maybe what's in Charles's mind now. It's almost certainly going to be in his mind that he's proven that he can go toe-to-toe with the four-time champion of Vettel. And he's proven on track that he can go wheel-to-wheel with Lewis Hamilton in disparate machinery. So there's no reason that in the same machinery on a level footing, he can possibly take the fight to Lewis. And 
yeah, I think it's going to drive both of them together with this new restructured Ferrari team at the top being led by Frederick Vasseur, a team principal that has good ties with not just Charles Leclerc, obviously his existing sort of premiership at the team over the past few years, but previously with Charles through F2. He has that same link with Lewis going back to Lewis's days in the feeder series. Fred has got two drivers that he knows very well under his control, a team that is coming back on form. And everyone goes, oh, they've been sort of off form for ages. Think about how close they were to actually coming second in the championship last year. Bar a few small, small mistakes and a margin of but a few points, they were close to sort of toppling Mercedes and taking P2 in the constructors. This is a team that's been, I'm not going to say resurgent, that's a phrase I'd more reserved for McLaren, but certainly a team that has been picking its way to the top very methodically and slowly but carefully. It's got a solid base it knows it can work off of. So it's interesting moving forwards from there. How long is the Ferrari contract? We don't know. Early reports and early releases state that it is a multi-year contract. But again, that phrase is banded around in Formula One a hell of a lot at the moment. And well, Lewis was supposed to be on a two-year contract with Mercedes moving forwards until the 2026 renewal. But um, obviously he had a workout there some way. So he's been able to make this move to um, Italy. The real big question is what of Carlos Sainz? And he has also put out a press release saying he's going to be looking forward to working with Ferrari this year, still driving to try and get the best he can. But that sort of leaves 2025 as a bit of a sort of loose end for him because he has reportedly got these links to Audi, who will be arriving in the sport to take over the Sauber team in 2026. There's this interim year of what does he do next? I think this is actually... A very important year for Carlos in the sense of how well he then conducts himself and how well he takes it. Uh, sort of, you know, he's coming into the year already knowing that he's not got a seat for next year. Uh, it's almost the flip side of what he's done when he joined Ferrari, and that that was quite early on that news. And Vettel was then sort of out of a seat for almost the remainder of the year, and. I think if he conducts himself well, obviously that's a testament to him and his personality, and that will obviously be a lot favor, very favorable to a lot of teams. I think, like most people are saying, he's it, most likely he's going to move to Audi. Um, he's got that good relationship with Andreas Seidel from when they're at McLaren, and also you know you've got to think his dad as well. He's got close ties with Audi. He's you know he's just won Dakar with them. I think this definitely is not the end for Carlos Sainz. He's a very, very good driver. He just seems to always be sort of slightly overlooked, and I'm not entirely sure why. Mm. There were reports and sort of interviews coming out of the Red Bull camp last week, interestingly, or early this week as well, saying that they sort of almost regret overlooking Sainz so early on in his career because there were points where they were sort of umming and ahhing between Sainz and Verstappen, certainly around that 2016, who the hell do we sort of move up a bit? And in the end, they picked Verstappen, but they said it's a lot closer than sort of reports would have you believe. And I think we've now seen that with Carlos, certainly in his two years at Ferrari, what he's been able to achieve, the way he's able to mastermind a strategy on track and understand racing in its more technical principles. He's proven to be far more of a competent and valuable driver than I think everyone really took him for. Everyone took him for quite quick Spanish. His dad was pretty good in a rally car. And now all of a sudden everyone's gone, oh, hang on, he's really valuable. 
and he's going to be coming up for certainly a one-year contract. If we can really wow him in a one-year contract with a competent chassis and the chance to do something very impressive, Carlos is going to be a very, very sort of valuable, I don't want to say pawn, but certainly an important chess piece into, as the silly season we're already in, develops further. So move on from Carlos to what does this mean for the cars? Crucially, obviously, there's got to have been something that's attracted Lewis to move to Ferrari, but equally, there could have been something at Mercedes that was pushing him away. We've touched on the speculation around team members team print, and um, team personnel, but Lewis has reportedly already seen and sat in this year's Mercedes and possibly even driven it on the sim. There could be something there that he's sort of gone into and gone... Oh, two more years of this before 2026 regs. And at the same time, John Elkan is sort of texting him going, hey, you up. And you're sort of going, might as well take the gamble. Do, you, do we think there's something at Mercedes he's seen that he's sort of gone, ugh, two? Perhaps. I mean, it's very, very early on, isn't it? But, you know, he probably had the opportunity to maybe even do a few races at the start of this year with Mercedes to actually see whether this was a good car or not. But to not have taken that sort of opportunity, he must be kind of, I guess, I mean, he said that it's been a hard decision, but it must have been certain in his mind that this isn't a championship winning car. I may as well cut my losses and move to a team I've always wanted to go to. Yeah, I think he's putting sort of a car that might not be up there and he's trying to argue that against sort of the Sebastian Vettel sort of line of everyone's a Ferrari fan. And I think ultimately, certainly within Formula One, everyone is. You sort of, they are the constant underdog that you know should be doing better. And I think there's something quite affable and lovable about them, even if they are quite pants at times. So it's sort of six of one half dozen other as to whether or not he was pushed or whether he was pulled between the two teams. But equally, it's surely a good sign for Ferrari if he is making this leap and he's looking not necessarily at what their 2025 season is going to be like, but also 2026, we have a brand new set of regulations coming in. We've got new power units coming in as well. Ferrari are fairly good at making a power unit. Uh, if they follow the rules and don't bend them too much. The fact of the matter is that this is going to be a new power unit season coming in in 26. That's going to be a big draw for Lewis. Do we think that there's certainly something in the water at Ferrari for not just 25, but 26 as well, when those new regulations appear? Yes. I mean, Ferrari's ethos has always been that, you know, in even like the wider grand scheme of things, if you're buying a Ferrari, you buy the engine and the rest of the car comes as like a free with the yeah. engine. Yeah. Um, which is, then it becomes sort of a shame when you realize that half of their DNFs come from engine failures. Engine failures. Yeah. So they've got a good engine. If it lasts, mm. obviously it's, they, to they toned it down this last year and they had better reliability. So whether it's, you know, they've got the engine there, it just needs tweaking. Um, and then with the new regulations, you hope that then they can build upon that even more. And you, you would hope that Ferrari then can, yeah, have a successful engine that's quick 
it's putting a pointy end of things. Yeah. yeah. And equally for that 2025 season, you've got to look at what Charles Leclerc has been able to achieve in the year just gone. It's, he's been able to get it onto the front row in qualifying. He's been able to really fight with it during the races, not necessarily against Verstappen, but certainly against Perez, against the McLarens at points, against the Aston Martins, against the Mercedes. He's been there. He's been mixing with it. Both Ferraris have. They've proven that what they've got is a pretty solid base regardless. And you add to that the driving sparkle that Lewis Hamilton will bring. There's a real opportunity here for Ferrari to do something very interesting. I mean, there's all the oh. questions... Uh, well, so Charles hasn't had multiple poles last year, despite the Red Bull domination, and the only win outside of Red Bull came from came a from Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah, admittedly, it's the driver they're getting rid of, but it still came from a Ferrari. It's the car that was capable of doing that, the car that was capable of taking the fight to Red Bull. Um, but equally, we, we've got to have a quick mention of like the atmosphere at Ferrari. It's a very different workplace to many of the other teams. It's one of the few teams where Italian or sort of non-English is the is the primary language. Lewis has got a year now to fire up his Duolingo and uh, start polishing off his Italian. But it's going to be an interesting shift for him, surely, to sort of jump into a very different sort of world of F1. It's going to be incredibly interesting. You know, the way that Ferrari and Mercedes run their teams is very different. And it's, you know, it's not like Hamilton's been with Mercedes for a couple of years and then moved on to another. He's been with Mercedes for what will be 12 years. And that's longer than most sort of F1 driver careers. So going to another team is undoubtedly going to be a shock to his system without a doubt. I think the only thing that is kind of, almost similar to me in my mind is their team principles in the fact that maybe more on a personal level Fred and Toto are quite similar they are very good friends outside of F1 so and Lewis has got already sort of a relationship with Fred anyway so he's not come hopefully he's not going into it too blindly but it is going to be a shock nonetheless yeah, I think he's he's aware of what he's stepping his toe into. He's a he's a smart man, is Hamilton. I think obviously the amount of time he's spent in Formula One, he's going to be aware of how other teams around him operate on the grid, and certainly the ones where he's already got these existing connections. I know that Timo's got a few points that he can't be here with us tonight. He's lost his voice, which is blessing in disguise, let's say. Um, but he's he's given us some notes to go through, and um, I think we'll get to some of his points in due course, I think. But one of them is very interesting, and it is the it is the idea of Hamilton to Ferrari, given the alternative teams he could join and thrive at, especially because Red Bull have, or according to Anthony Hamilton at least, have sort of flirted with the idea of bringing Hamilton on board. Um, it makes sense. It's a big gamble. But given that the Italian outfits still have problems, is Hamilton, is Lewis going to be the fix to all those problems? I don't know. It's, Time will tell. Yeah, because I guess it's whatever the dynamic is between Charles and Lewis, because or whether they, because Charles has always been very much favoured against Signs, no matter how much Signs has tried. So it depends on how they then treat Lewis. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. He, he could, you know, he could go into it being like Schumacher, build a team around him, and it's yeah, I don't know. It, it will be one of those things where the team and his opportunity at Ferrari will very much be what he makes of it. Um, obviously, with both teams, it leaves a very interesting dynamic through this year with both Lewis at Mercedes. They're going to be reluctant to inform him of certain things they're bringing into the car. He won't be the preferential one when it comes to upgrades. 
and the same with science as well. Science is now obviously going to be aware he's being pushed out, and um, there's there's got to be sort of a, a an interesting balance to the atmosphere at Ferrari as well. Equally, as Timo points out, science is the person who's won Ferrari's last two Grand Prix. He's definitely earned his stripes there and proven that he's deserves to be there as much as Leclerc. He's done nothing wrong, but at the end of the day, Leclerc's the fake golden boy. He's he's going to be the one they pick over anyone else. Which, yeah, like, like you've just said, he has done nothing wrong. He's proved undoubtedly why he should be in Formula One, why he should, you know, why he moved to, why Ferrari wanted him in the first place. And it's a bit, it's strange why they now, okay, it's Lewis Hamilton coming in. But there's no sort of, he's given them no reason to get rid of him. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how the two teams move forwards with both drivers being ones they want to not necessarily keep in the shade, but certainly sort of withhold certain elements of information from. But on the flip side of that, there's one other person we haven't really mentioned out of this sort of quartet of drivers going through a bit of a shuffle. And that's George Russell, who's going to be sort of taking on the team leader role at Mercedes, a role he sort of occupied at Williams for a few seasons, but he's now doing that at Mercedes at arguably one of the top flight teams of the sport in the most recent years. That's a lot to put onto his shoulders, but equally, this is going to be his two, three years possibly to shine, his chance to get that championship and prove why he was sort of held onto by Mercedes for that seat for so long. I think it almost will be a natural step up for George. I think he's been trying to buy for that anyway. Um, you know, you, you saw that sort of immediately when he went to Mercedes, that he wasn't sort of letting it be Lewis's team. He was very much at the forefront, very much wanted to take a leadership role alongside Lewis. I think he's not going to sort of stumble at that hurdle. Um, and he's already got that good relationship with Mercedes and certainly Toto as well. Um, if you don't mind me saying, obviously your sister sees Tim and George out <laughs> all the time. So they're, they're already, George is already close. He's well embedded in that team. Yeah. He's, he's got his connections. He's socially understood by a lot of them. And yeah, I think he's, it's going to very quickly become George's team, which sort of is the final question we will get to is who ends up in the seat next to George. Um, one question before we get onto that, though, is has this come at the right time for Formula One off the back of the sport denying Andretti entry? We'll get to the ins and outs of the Andretti application in due course. I think this has been a big sort of a drop ball moment for F1. This was a fantastic team with a huge heritage in motorsport across the, the realms. And certainly Andretti within F1, obviously, They've had some great times in F1 previously with Lotus and all sorts. This, for me, is a bit of a drop ball. I don't think Formula One did justice to what was really being put on the table here by Andretti. Um, I'll give Timo's voice here on this one first. And he says, first of all, it is very convenient timing news-wise for F1 to be able to use this to distract them or distract people from them denying entry to Andretti into the sport. But what's your thoughts on this? Is this really good timing? Was this... Or do you want to go into the sort of spectral realms of this was purely constructed to, so where people would stop slamming them for Andretti? Oh, it's certainly a very good distraction for them. I don't think Formula One, in terms of like PR and media, have the power over letting um, 
sort of trying to let sort of Ferrari and Mercedes as such create that distraction? I don't know. Do they have, I don't know whether they have that power or not to be like. I don't think they do, but I think there's going to be a lot of conspiracy theorists on the internet that would like to believe that that's an opportunity. But purely when it comes to this coming out as a distraction, I think off the back of Andretti, this is what F1 wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. This has helped them massively. It's because what? When did the news come out? Well, Andretti dropped yesterday around 10, yeah. 11 o'clock ish. This started breaking at about 8 39 o'clock this morning. So it was less than 12 out, 24 hours between sort of one news cycle and the next with this. So it's, mm, it, it's really good timing for F1, certainly. We'll move it's on. Very, it's very good timing, but I won't forget it. Oh, we we will not forget it, and we will be coming back to it in our big sort of off off season sort of news roundup and everything. Um, but it it does bring us back to the the big question. I'll preface this by saying there are a lot of contracts that conclude at the end of this year. Sergio Perez, Fernando Alonso, Carlos Sainz, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guan Yu, Kevin Magnussen, Nico Ulkenberg, Alex Albon, Logan Sargent, Yuki Tsunoda, and Daniel Ricciardo are all come November December going to be out of a contract that is a lot of drivers so who replaces Hamilton Ulkenberg you, you're really sticking to your guns with Ulkenberg I mean it was between him and Lewis obviously when they and Mercedes picked Lewis give the man a chance please just give him a chance okay but say they do and he still never gets a podium then that's on him. <laughs> <laughs> it would be the ultimate in Nico Hulkenberg, I think, at that point, is we gave you the Mercedes drive, and yet you were still unable to get into the top three. Yeah, if that happens, it's... I mean, depending on the scenarios, because obviously he has been in podium fighting positions before, and it's always been always out of his control as to what's happened next. But... If it's him that's ruining his own chances, then that's on him. Yeah. But Have you got a, a shout outside of Altenberg? <laughs> what, because I've gone so left field? I just want to offer a second voice on the matter from you, if that's all. Maybe Albon, but part of me almost doesn't want him to leave Williams, so I don't really want to put it out into this universe. I kind of want him to do really well and bring Williams up to sort mm. of standards that we know Williams as previously. Um, I think, interestingly, if Ocon was to move to Mercedes, is there potentially then room for Schumacher, Mick Schumacher, to move to, to Alpine. Alpine? Because obviously he's driving for them. In WEC at the WEC. moment. Mm. It, is, it is interesting. I mean, I've... I've cobbled together like a, a list of different options. Um, I think Ocon to Mercedes, you'd then open up possibly Duan to Alpine as well. He'd make the jump up to F1 when he finishes in F2. Schumacher just simply comes straight into Mercedes. I don't think it's too far out of the out of concept. 
Perez to Mercedes, I think is a bit of a left field opportunity. He's proven himself to be a very good number two driver. And I don't think Mercedes would shy away from just sort of hiring another Bottas to just simply push Russell to championships every time. But then Ricardo to Red Bull, Lawson to Visa Cash Up RB um, would sort of be the fill-in as Perez moved. Hulkenberg to Mercedes, you've already mentioned. I think that would open up Behrman to move up to the main Haas seat. He has just signed on with them alongside Pietro Fittipaldi as their reserve driver. Science could simply just go to Mercedes. It would be a straight-up driver swap, which would be interesting conceptually. It'd be interesting to see how it goes for that year as well. Alex to Mercedes, you also mentioned, would see Albon move over to Mercedes, freeing up a Williams seat, which would be open to O'Sullivan or Colapinto, both of whom will have had a good few years in F2 by that point and will be sort of edging their way into that sort of world. They'll have done a few FP1 drives. So there's a possibility on that front. Ricardo could simply make the jump to Mercedes. He's obviously still hunting out a top-end drive. He's still very much on form, and it would be interesting to see him do that. Then Lawson simply Red- moves to Visa Cash App. Red Bull would be mad. Red They'd Bull- be livid to, you know, they've given Ricardo a lifeline to then move to Mercedes. It's like the ultimate betrayal. It is, but at the same time, it was sort of quite a thin and spindly lifeline they threw him. They said, go on, go sit in the team that we don't even know what we're calling it next year. Oh, by the way, you're now being named after someone's sort of bank card app. Congratulations. If I was Ricardo and that's what my sort of prospect looks like, I and all of a sudden the seat at Mercedes opens up, I'd be like, I could live in near Brackley. I could go for that. I mean, I would I'd guess it depends on how likely they are to put him in that Red Bull seat next year. If he knows that there is no chance of him going to Red Bull, then then that's on Red Bull, isn't it? Yeah, not, not giving him a seat. And it's kind of like, well, what do you expect? You left me no choice. I had to make the move. But yeah, because of course, um, Sergio is up for a contract renewal through this season before at the end of it. There's a lot of pressure there. If anything, it's just dumped a bit more pressure on to Red Bull, certainly, to make a decision. Um, another option is simply Fernando Alonso to Mercedes. And this isn't too far-fetched a concept. Alonso is waiting to see what Aston Martin's progress has been since last year. He's going to have a look at the car, possibly do a few races. There are reports already out there that his people have been in conversation with Toto Wolf, And uh, this is a message I got from Andy Belay earlier, was Alonso to Mercedes... And 2025 World Drivers Champion? It would be the longest gap for anyone between World Championships. 2025 to what, 2006? Nearly 20 years? Alonso would relish in the thought that Hamilton has moved to another team and his old team then win the championship almost immediately with his biggest rival. Oh, he'd love it. It it would cause Fernando Alonso to become so smug he might explode, but it would be just the perfect story and the perfect weird summation of the rivalry those two have shared, especially because Alonso went to Ferrari and it didn't go great. And Hamilton goes to Ferrari and all of a sudden the golden man of Formula One becomes Fernando Alonso once more is conceptually really interesting to sort of battle with um it would be so big that he'd ruin the aerodynamics of the car 
it would be he, he would block the uh, ducts above the the cockpit. It would be fantastic. Um, equally, there is the opportunity here to look at Formula Two. There is a year before that seat needs to be filled, and there is the one name that people are kicking around in F two that he is tied with Mercedes already. Kimi Antonelli. He's already jumping F3 from Frecker to F2. So it's a big ask to put him in F1 after one year in F2, especially F2, which is going into a new technical regulation series. They've got these fantastic looking new cars, big scallop rear wings, really interesting, really good to drive by all accounts. It's going to be interesting to see how quick Kimi Antonelli is. And equally, if you're Toto Wolf, if you're Mercedes, do you take that gamble? Do you go, yeah, it's 2025. We can get him used to the team, used to driving an F1. 2026, it's new regulations. Everyone's on the same foot again. All I will say is look at Max Verstappen's path to Formula One. Everyone thought that was too fast. Now look at him. Look at how good Oscar Piastri is. And he bounced from literally F3, F2 and a year out because fiascos and then F1. Like the drivers that are making it through these series with very little sort of struggle are proving to be the sort of generational talents. Verstappen clearly proof in concept of that one. So there's a lot to be said for Antonelli maybe being in with a shout here if he plays his cards right in F2. I reached out to some friends of the podcast as well to see what they thought would be a good fill-in at uh, Mercedes for Hamilton when he moves. Jacob Phillips uh, wants Alonso and reckons it's too early for Kimi Antonelli. Georgia, my girlfriend, said Bottas is her top pick. Would he go back for one year? Do you imagine? Hamilton's not there. He's got a free chance to get that Mercedes title he always wanted. But him and George in the same team. The beef. It would be exciting. I mean, we all know who can grow a moustache out of the two, so... Yeah, I don't know if that's particularly relevant to the overall argument, but it would be fun. Um, Albon is her second pick, Fernando her third, and Ocon her fourth. Uh, Imi Cousins, who we've had on a couple of times previously, would like to see Alex Albon make the move to Mercedes. I think Andy Boulay's sort of final option was Ocon making the move to Mercedes or possibly Mick. You've already said yours, which is Ulkenberg. And I think if I'm going to be pushed to same, actually, I'll give Timo's first, actually, because he did give me some notes on that one. Um, possibilities on what's next. Alonso to Mercedes, Sainz to Aston Martin, or Vettel to Mercedes and Sainz to stake before it comes Audi, or straight swap Sainz to Mercedes and um, gets a good contract finally. He would like to see Albon stay at Williams, interestingly enough, which is um, quite the decision. Um, I agree he- with him there, though. You, yeah, that's you and Timo agreeing on something. So that's that's really a show as to how right. crazy the news is at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and he's not here to celebrate the moment. Or, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he's lost his voice. He screamed with happiness. <laughs> screamed with excitement at it all. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think if I'm going to be pushed to go one way, I want to see Fernando Alonso get it. Because there is a little bit, and this is me as a complete Ferrari fan, Tifosi all the way through, I bleed red. There's a bit in the back of my mind that's going... You bled red anyway. Shut up. What if the Mercedes is good? What if Fernando Alonso gets into a good Mercedes? I just want it for the chaos that would ensue. I don't even have the words. 
it would just be phenomenal. It's a like, little bit far-fetched, but it would be incredible. I can just see Alonso's smugness already. Think of the TikToks he'd make with his World Drivers to- titled trophy. It's... I don't even have the words. I kind of... I'm almost too scared to see it, but I also really want to see it. Yeah. Conceptually, it's so weird, you can't quite picture it, but you want it. "Mm." I want it. It's a silly little morsel of an idea and a perfect point to end the podcast on. Thank you very much for listening to this emergency broadcast from the Undercut Podcast. We will be properly back with um, some news from across the uh, off-season. I have been keeping a massive document. I'm going to fire up the, uh, where is the word count on here? Um, and I can tell you exactly how big it is, um, but it is it is enormous. It's currently over sort of six, four pages. Um, so we've got a lot of news to recap when we come back officially, but we will be back ahead of the 2024 season. We'll also probably do a livery rundown at some point as well, because all of the liveries are getting announced. We're getting to see the Haas car tomorrow. Um, but everyone's sort of completely forgotten that for the sake of the news. So, um, well, to be fair, I had a dream last night that Haas were no longer. So they're very much still in sort of the forefront of my mind at the minute. Was this a different dream to the one you told me about? Yeah. Uh, Anyway, that's topic for a different podcast entirely. We will be back in um, a few short weeks, no doubt, with some F1 news ahead of the 2024 season. In the meantime, Ellie May, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm still currently a hermit. Always fun. Everyone's going to be a hermit once in their life. Well, I may as well do it whilst my back is still reeling from the car accident, so... Yeah. I I took the whole month off in January I was like right I'm just I've got the whole year to look at motorsport doing it as sort of like a career and all that I will just give myself the whole of January off the 1st of February Lewis Hamilton announces he goes to Ferrari well it's a sign ladies and gentlemen it's a sign she's back she's ready to go and the news has been waiting for her to come back (laughs) to In the meantime, if you want more of me, you can find me across the social media channels on Instagram, TikTok, uh, and Twitter as at Jesse on Cars. You can also find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. I can't remember what we've got out at the moment. Uh, we've got just a fairly good new issue at the moment, including how to get your classic car back from thieves when it's stolen. Or if you listen to this after next Wednesday, um, it is the history of the Mercedes SL. So um, plenty to look forward to there. And we'll be back in due course with some more Undercut podcasts. Podcast.